Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hey listener, do you sometimes or often find yourself saying yes when you really know you should say no? (laughs) Well, you're not alone and that's what I'm going to be talking about on today's podcast. My name is Alaomi Brigway and this is episode 146 of the Super Abundant Life podcast and today I'm going to be talking about the guilt-free guide to saying no. I hope you enjoy this because this is something that hmm, I think every single one of us will have to deal with at some point in our lives, some more than others. And that's the truth because sometimes certain personalities find it easier to literally just stand in your face and say, no, (laughs) and they'll go to bed and they'll sleep well and it will not even bother them. Other personalities might find it much more difficult to the point that some people could actually end up being trapped in some kind of unhappy life because they just don't know how to say no. Sometimes I've even found parents that find it difficult to say no to their kids because they don't want to upset their kids. So there's a wide spectrum, but I believe that this is something that affects every single one of us as human beings. And I know that this episode is going to be impactful. So where am I going to start today? I'm going to start with why do we actually say yes when we should say no? So I like to sort of excavate, to unpick things and uncover things and try and get to the root of the reasons why we do stuff. And when we are able to unpack things and see where it's actually coming from, it makes it easier to be able to rebuild and build in a different direction, which is the direction we're meant to be heading in. So the first thing I'm going to do in today's podcast is talk about some of the most important reasons or the most crucial reasons why we actually as human beings find it difficult to say no when we should actually say no. So why do we say yes? when we should say no. There are three reasons that I have. The first one, and probably the most common reason, is they feel bad about saying no. So is that emotional connection, like, oh, I don't want to upset this person. So they feel bad about looking somebody in the face and saying no to that person. Saying no may feel aggressive, as if you are rejecting the person. Somebody comes and says, I really, really need your help. Please, can you help me? But you know you should say no. You know that if you take on this thing, it's going to cause more problems for you and maybe eventually for the person as well because you may not do whatever they're asking you to do properly and it's going to end up wasting time, money, energy, etc. You should say no, but you find yourself saying yes because you feel like if you say no, you're actually rejecting the person 
as opposed to rejecting the offer that they are given to you. There are some people that may feel comfortable with being the aggressor and being perceived as someone that is just going around rejecting people and being aggressive. But because there's that negative connotation to it, most people find it difficult to actually say no because they feel they attach that no to rejecting the person. The second reason why we feel bad about saying no is it feel like you can be uh, portrayed as a bad person, as a bad guy or the person that let the team down. Oh, the team needed you at this point and all you had to do was give another one week during your leave or whatever it is. You were, you were only on holiday in Barbados. Now we just needed two hours of your time while you were on holiday with your family. What's the big deal? Only two hours. And if you don't give us those two hours, the whole project that we've been working on for three years is going to fail. <laughs> it's going to fail. <laughs> And of course, you don't want to be the bad person. You don't want to be labeled as uh, the cog in the wheel that spoiled everything. And you're like, okay, fine, okay, fine, okay, fine. I will do it. The third reason is we don't like being disliked. In fact, there's a book that's titled The Courage to be Disliked. The more yes to say to people, the more people will be happy with you. And that's just the truth. That's just the truth. That's human nature. The more you show up for people, the more they'll feel like, oh, wow, this person is so amazing. The more they'll probably accept you. The more they will like you. The more they will talk about you in favorable terms. But the moment you start to say, no, actually, I'm really sorry, I can't do that. Again, it's very easy for people to begin to turn to the other side of the coin to be saying, I thought she used to be very helpful, but I don't know what's come over her. So it's easier to be liked when you're the kind of person that's always saying yes, that's always been the helping hand that people say things about oh you can always rely on her you can always rely on him they are more likely to be liked and to be perceived as someone that is extremely helpful and if you're the kind of person that derives happiness from those kind of connections from having people like you and again remember this is not to point fingers or anything these are actually personality types i would recommend i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before go and do your personality test most of these things are free online there are two that i definitely recommend one is the myers-briggs and the second one is the enneagrams oh you will learn things about yourself and about your loved ones and maybe even your colleagues people you work with it is so eye-opening as in the thing will be describing you like this be like wow now which as in how did all this be that how do these people know so much about me? It is so good. Obviously, it is not meant to define you and box you up. No, it's meant to actually show you certain things about your personality. And then you can now submit to the process of change or transformation where it is required. Because some of these things are not bad. To be, for example, an Enneagram 9. An Enneagram 9 is a peacekeeper or a peacemaker. They don't like conflict. They don't like wahala. One of their innate drives is to please people for people to like them. So an Enneagram 9 personality is more likely to fall into this trap of, oh, if I say no, maybe they won't like me. If I say no, they'll feel like I'm not being helpful. If I say no, it might cause conflict or friction in the relationship and they want to keep the peace. So the very first reason to wrap up that point why we say yes when we're supposed to be saying no is because we feel bad about saying no. We feel bad about the fact that it may actually damage certain relationships. The second reason why people tend to say yes when they should be saying no is now I, I mentioned the first one because it is the most prevalent. It is one that stares people in the face. But the next two that I'm going to mention, that I'm going to talk about, those are actually the deeper issues. So the second reason why we say yes instead of saying no or when we should say no is because we don't really have an understanding of the times and seasons of our lives. If anyone is literally living life as in uh, one day at a time, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, that kind of attitude towards life where you don't, for example, at the start of the year, say, okay, this is the year that I'm going to focus on this. Then you break that down into quarters and say, this quarter, the next 90 days, this will be the things that I'm focusing on that I will prioritize and deem as important. And then you review again every 90 days. So if you don't live like that, you don't really have an understanding of the times and seasons, what that means 
consequences, no matter what comes, you will not even know when to prioritize and to say no to certain things and yes to certain things. An understanding of the times and seasons is super important. And obviously that also talks about a spiritual understanding of your times and seasons. It's not just about the goal setting part. It's about praying and saying, Holy Spirit, what are the things that I'm meant to be focusing on? Because it may not be immediately apparent. Your children may be fine. They're doing well at school. Everything is fine. By all indications, you should not be spending more time with your children as you normally would, right? But the Holy Spirit knows that, hmm, there's something lurking around the corner and he wants you to spend an additional maybe 30 minutes praying for your children in the next 90 days or something like that. You can't understand why you just have that impression. It's just there. So for something like that, that 30 minutes that he says, pray for your children, Somebody comes and says, oh, let's do this. Come and sign up for this program. Come and do this. And it's going to eat into that time because you understand the times and the seasons and what is important for you to do in that season. It's an easy no. But when we don't live through signs and seasons and understand that you can't do everything in every season, it is very easy for us to fall into the trap of saying yes to everything. Do you see what I mean? The Bible talks about the children of Issachar. It says that they understood the times and the seasons. But when people quote that scripture, they quote it like, oh, sons of Issachar, prayer points. We understand the times and the seasons. But if you continue reading, it says that they understood the times and the seasons and they knew what Israel ought to do. So the reason why the Holy Spirit of God gave them an understanding of the times and the seasons was so that they would know exactly what to do in those times and seasons. So an understanding of what you're meant to be doing or what the Holy Spirit shows you per season is so that you can prioritize and know exactly what to focus on. So that is very, very important. Understanding your times and seasons, not defining or understanding the season that you are in would, first of all, probably mean that you're saying yes to anything and everything. And number two, God forbid, you could end up saying yes to the wrong things and no to the things that are crucial to your life. Do you see what I mean? So somebody saying no, for example, to be instead of to pray for their children simply because it doesn't make sense. Everything is fine. Why should I be praying? How And you postpone it and you put it off in favor of saying yes to other things that are trivial, that may, that may even seem urgent in that season. God forbid, God knows what's waiting for those children in front. Do you see? So it's a prayer that you must continually pray. It's one of the things that I pray every day that the Holy Spirit would teach me to understand the times and the seasons of my life, number one. And number two, that I will walk in synchronism with those times and seasons. Very important. As an example, let's look at the life of Jesus. I mean, decisions that were made were made based on times and seasons. For example, when Jesus was 12 and he was left behind and he was in the temple, the Bible says that his parents had gone three days journey and they couldn't find him after three days. So they started heading back to Jerusalem and they found him later on. He was sitting in the temple debating with the doctors of the law, etc. And he was having a wonderful time. Now, in that season, he was meant to be with his parents so the right thing to do when his friend said oh yeah you're coming back home with us he was to say yes he was to say yes even though he wanted to say no because he said do you not know that i'll be about my father's business so his father's business was very important to him but in that season staying with his parents and being obedient and submissive to his parents was what he was meant to focus on was where he was meant to put his attention and say yes to and say no quote unquote to the calling of going around preaching the gospel but fast forward to when he had actually started his ministry where where the minute he was pretty much at the height of his ministry, there was a time when Mary and his brothers and sisters, I think, showed up and they wanted to see him. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going because these people here, and he started pointing to the people in the room with him. These are my mothers, these are my brothers, and these are my sisters. So even though the same woman, the same siblings, etc., were asking him to come with them, to come and go away with them, in that season, he chose his father's business because the season 
had changed and he did absolutely nothing wrong. Do you see what I mean? So if you don't have an understanding of what you're meant to be focused on in certain seasons of your life, this is actually why many people get dragged into things that they then regret saying yes to because they then feel overloaded and burnt out and stressed because they've taken on too much. All right. Now, the third reason why we say yes, when we should really be saying no, is actually the fear of scarcity. And this is also quite a deep issue and a core problem that leads to people saying yes. So, for example, what if there will be no more opportunities after this? Someone asks you to come and do something and you really think, oh, this is a wonderful opportunity. But if you wait, you know that this is not really something that you had chosen to focus on in that season. You think, hey, what if they don't ask me again? What if that opportunity to buy this thing does not come again? What if the price goes up? What if this happens? What if that happens, etc.? And the fear of scarcity literally <laughs> the fear of scarcity says that oh if i don't take this opportunity today if i don't say yes to this today then i would not have the opportunity to do it again but if you look around you if you look at the god that created you all right the god that orders the times and the seasons of your life is there anything that is scarce about that god think about it even the air that you breathe, it's there, is it, do you see people walking around with oxygen tank and collecting oxygen and say, ah, one day we might run out to let me just store my own oxygen or whatever it is. No, everything is abundant. Look at the oceans, look at the trees, even though they're saying that plant trees, plant trees. Have you ever gone somewhere where they say, ah, all the trees are dead? Except, of course, for areas that were designed not to have trees like the deserts right no matter how they say amazon forest is perishing there are still trees everywhere i'm recording this i'm looking out my window i'm surrounded by trees so he's a god of abundance don't get trapped into that mindset of scarcity and i'll give you an example about this actually for my own life when i was coming into i think it was 2021 or 2020 i don't remember exactly when but one of those years i decided i uh, having meditated reflected prayed about my seasons my times and my seasons and what i should be focusing on i made a decision that certain speaking engagements that i was going to start turning them down not because i don't love teaching not because i don't love helping people not because i don't love you know any of those things but because i i weighed it and i thought I'm not as effective in certain environments um, as I would love to be or as I would be in other environments by reflecting and seeing that and understanding that mm -mm, this is not a good use of my time. Yes, I'll say yes. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll teach, etc. But the impact is not great. At the end of the day, I might feel good with myself that, yes, you know, I got a speaking engagement in the moment because I love to teach. I will teach. I, I will sit down. I will be teaching to a tree. <laughs> it makes no difference to me. It's my calling. I love it. I enjoy it. As in, I can literally at the drop of a hat, I can teach anything. It's a skill that God has given me. Obviously, that has been polished over time, but you understand what I mean. So me showing up to teach is not the problem. It's the fact that if I do teach and I even enjoy the teaching, how much impact is it going to have? And I made that decision and I knew that it was going to mean less opportunities for me because there were certain engagements that I knew would come and I would have to say no. Not because I really wanted to say no, but because wisdom demanded that I say no. And true to my own estimation, not very long after that, a couple of engagements or invitations came. Say, can you speak at this? Can you speak? And I, it was exactly the same kind of environment or that I had decided did not have that much of an impact. So I had to say no. And it wasn't easy saying no. But because I had weighed my times and my seasons and I had settled in my mind that God is a God of abundance. If I say no to this and it is the right thing to do, there'll be many more opportunities waiting for me. I didn't have a scarcity mentality that, oh, what if nobody else asks me or what if, no, that never even occurred to me. So I was bold enough and I said no to a couple of those. And do you know what happened? As soon as I, it's this, this world is very spiritual. Don't let anybody ever tell you that what you see is what you get in terms of the physical. There's a spiritual world though. There is a very spiritual world that we cannot see with our eyes. The moment I said no 
to the first one and i said it obviously nicely decisively but nicely i said i would not be able to do it the moment i did that do you know that not long after that an opportunity an invitation to the kind of environment that i knew i was going to have a huge impact opened up i did not lobby for it i didn't go and ask for it i didn't go and try and position myself and say i want to network with this kind of person so that i will get this kind of invitation no literally because i shut the door on what was not really serving me or the people god has called me to what would serve me and the people god has called me to literally opened up by itself and after that such invitations have been coming to me so that is what i mean if you have a fear of scarcity you keep holding on to things that you're meant to let go of and as a result of that you will shut out the abundance that is actually meant to come to you the thing that will be the better fit it is fear of scarcity that will make somebody keep saying yes to a relationship where they know that this guy if i marry this guy you're already seeing things the lord has opened your eyes one billion times you see the traits you see the behavior you see the way this guy or this girl is behaving you can see it but fear of scarcity says ah, if i let go of this relationship what if nobody else comes hey that's fear of scarcity you have to let go so the right correct bubble will come to you or oh, sissy <laughs> okay so those are the three main reasons why we tend to say yes when we should be saying no Okay, so two more segments in this podcast in today's episode. The second one is I'm now going to talk about when people do say no, there's a wrong way to say no. And of course, I'm going to then finish up with the guide, the guilt-free guide, the proper way to say no. Are we ready? Let's get moving. So like I said, when we do say no, there's a right way and a wrong way to say no. And this is definitely the wrong way to say no, the ineffective ways to say no. And I have two, two of them. Okay. <laughs> and the first one, especially if you're, like I said, this relates mainly to that first reason where it is people related. It is based on feelings. You don't want to hurt somebody. You don't want to give a bad impression of yourself. You don't want to damage the relationship or whatever it is. So when people have that fear of people and fear of people's reaction to them saying no, one of the most common ways sometimes that we respond, you know, you want to say, no, you don't want to do that thing. Instead of coming out, right to say, no, what do we do? We hide or we ghost the person. <laughs> you gotta hide you stop taking the person's call you pretend like you haven't seen the whatsapp messages they send you email you ignore it and you ghost them it's not fair and it's not nice it's not fair you hear me it is not nice it is not the love way jesus said if you have ought, if something is going on between you and one person what is the thing that jesus said we should do just say leave him or just go and hide from him just like go and ask the person bring the matter to the person it takes boldness and courage to be able to do that i've actually witnessed a situation it didn't happen to me but i've witnessed a situation where somebody was feeling bad about saying no they didn't really want to do the thing instead of coming out right to say no and the person that was asking them was very sincere it wasn't like they were trying to trap them or anything they were very sincere and in fact they the person that was afraid to say no had given a lot of enthusiasm you know how somebody brings you an idea and you want to please the person you're like oh wow that's an amazing idea oh fantastic and you say it out of excitement and so the person the proposer was like oh of course this person is in now when it now came to following through now this person has started chasing the other person like will you do it will you do it then basically blanked the person not out of maliciousness but out of a lack of courage out of a lack of boldness to say actually let's have a conversation about it this is the reason why i don't think i would do it and when you have that conversation it actually opens up the door for the person to actually say ah actually the reason why you're looking at it that way is because of this and they may actually show you something else a different perspective that will make you more comfortable with saying yes because it might be something that you should say yes to and even if you end up saying no you've done it in a way that you've you've you have not damaged that relationship because ghosting is very very terrible so the person because they were afraid to say no and they didn't really want to face up to it kept ghosting the person ignored their emails ignored their text etc etc until the person probably got the message and moved on not long after that this person now needed help from the person they had ghosted they now didn't know how to approach it do you see 
you know, it's like leaving a trail of broken hearts behind. We don't have to respond like that. You know you want to say, no, be bold enough. Be courageous enough. Ask God for the boldness. Pray about it. Say, Lord, you know, I don't want to say yes to this thing. Please help me. Give me the right words to speak. Soften their hearts. Help them see my own point of view, etc. Pray about it. The Bible teaches us to pray about everything, but ignoring them, hiding away and ghosting the person, it could end up damaging that relationship. You could end up hurting a brother, a fellow brother. And the person could be someone that you really need their help in the future, but you've already damaged that relationship. Okay. And of course, that doesn't mean that facing them and saying no does not run the risk of damaging the relationship, but at least you've done it right. So if you go and say, well, I'm really sorry, I don't want to do and this, <laughs> this word has happened to me before. I went and I did it properly. I even prayed about it. I can't remember if I prayed about it now. Maybe that's why it didn't work out well. I did not pray about it, to be honest. I just, well, I had, I had realized I had something that I could no longer commit to. And I went and I had a proper conversation with this person, sat down, and I said, I'm really sorry I would not be able to say yes to this thing anymore, etc., etc. I did it the right way, but the person still got offended. I mean, you can't control that. I mean, I could have controlled it in the place of prayer, which I didn't. I prayed later on, but I could have prayed in advance to prevent that from happening. So what I'm saying is you can't always control the person's reaction, but always be found on the side of love. Don't let your own actions be the reason why somebody becomes offended because she did not walk in love. Walking in love is showing up and saying, I'm really sorry. I, I want to be forthright with you. I don't want to lie. I don't want to hide away. And just tell them if they choose to become offended by you going to tell them the way Jesus said, go and speak to the person, then there's nothing you can do about that. So don't hide away. That is definitely an ineffective way to say no. The second ineffective way, and this is all just as common, is people try and come up with excuses that are um, usually <laughs> lies. People lie. They say, oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, actually, the reason why I can't do this is I promised my son that we're going to go and do And it's a lie, yo. You just don't want to hurt the person's feelings. So you come up with something that is really sounding very important and urgent. That, oh, I'm, this is why I can't do what you're asking me to do. Why now? Why? You don't have to lie. Like we said, just be forthright. Come out and say, well, the reason why I can't do this is because of this. Okay. Number one, there's the moral issue of you should not lie. Jesus said we should not lie. <laughs> Okay, he said we should tell the truth. So there's that moral issue. You don't want to have a conscience where after you've now walked away and told the person, the person says, oh, okay, I fully understand. And you've sort of kept the relationship intact. But you, you walk away and you have guilty conscience anyway, regardless. Your heart is still full of guilt. Why? Because you have lied. And God forbid, what if the person <laughs> now finds out later that you lied? Just to get out of the thing that you they wanted you to do, that may even hurt them more than if you had told them the truth. So making up excuses that are not real, embellishing things, embellishing things. So you may actually need to be somewhere at a particular time, but maybe they don't really need you there. But you've embellished it that if you're not there, the event will not go ahead simply because you want to get out of the other one. We should train ourselves to the point where we speak truth at all times in love, but truth. Okay. Now the other side of that is when we also make excuses and say, oh, it's because I'm really busy. So what you're really doing is you're saying to the person, I will do it. It would be a yes. But the problem is I have a lot on my plate at the moment. Now guess what will happen? And this has happened to me too. I've used a busy card too. All right. I say, oh, I'm really busy. That's why I can't say yes, etc. And they're like, oh, I truly understand. I truly understand. Guess what? The person will come back and ask you again. So you're going to have to go through that process again. You're going to have to keep going through that process because you say, they'll say, oh, since you were busy uh, last week, I, I, I just came to check again. Has your calendar cleared a little bit? And you have to keep repeating the same thing that you know truly, truly is not the reason why you're saying no. So it's a half truth. You may be busy, but it's not the business that's making you say no. And you're basically just posting the person because you're giving them false hope. 
You're giving them false hope. Like I said, I've been trapped by this false hope. And the person thinks, oh, there's a genuine reason why they can't do it. And they really want to do it. But it's not true. You don't want to do it. So at some point, you're going to have to face the person and say, well, the truth is. And then you go on and you explain it in the proper way. In the proper way with love, but firm. With love, but firm. One of the things that struck me the most in the book called Yelp Yes by Shonda Rhimes, she dedicated a whole chapter to saying no and saying no the right way. She kept emphasizing the fact that no is a complete sentence. You can say no and that can be the end of it. And if you have a close relationship with the person or a closer relationship with the person and you feel like you at least owe them some explanation, then go ahead to explain. But don't leave the door open if to you it is really a no. So you can leave the door open for maybe other ideas and other things they could present to you in the future. Or if that opportunity they're bringing to you is just a no for that season, then by all means, leave the door open for another season. But be clear about what that season is. You could say, actually, the, for the next three months, I would not at all be able to do this. But let's see. Come back to me in, I don't know, December and let's see what happens. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. No is a complete sentence. Be firm, but do it with love. And don't leave the door open unnecessarily. That will give the person false hope. Okay? So that is definitely not the effective way to say no. Now, I'm going to finish up. And this is what we've come here for today, which is the guilt-free guide to saying no. And what I'm going to walk you through are five steps of a process. Five steps of a process, not really the how to say no, because the how to say no is quite straightforward. You just reply, you say things like, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. Thank you, but that's not going to work for me, etc. Just, I'm really sorry, but I will not be able to commit to that engagement. Um, you don't have to give because, do you know what? The trap is when you then go further and say, well, it's because my son is this, or it's because my daughter is this, or it's because my boss is this. You are likely to start making up things just for the sake of it because that's not really the reason a lot of times why you're saying no. You're saying no because you don't think it's a good fit. You may not want to hurt their feelings by saying, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to speak at such conferences anymore, which is the case for me, right? But if I don't want to say that, I may feel compelled to make them feel better and make them feel like, oh, the problem is on my side. But the problem is not on my side. I just don't want to say yes to you. So I'm sorry, I will not be able to commit to that full stop. End the letter or the email. <laughs> Don't get drawn into trying to come up with all sorts of extra things, like I said before. So it's a five-step process or a guide to run every decision through and then to know exactly which one you should say yes to and which one you should say no to. If you do this, then you'll find out because basically when we say yes to too many things, guess what goes? Your time goes your peace of mind goes, you feel more stressed, you feel burnt out, you feel like, oh, everything is just crashing in, I feel lost, all those kind of feelings, overpowering feelings. The more you're saying no to things that you shouldn't be saying yes to, you find out that you have more time, you have more breathing space, you have more head space, you have more time to just relax or whatever it is, okay? So here are the five steps. The first one is, as I said earlier, if you do not have your own core beliefs and values, you will say yes to anything and everything. So the first thing you must do and you must continually do is to define your core values and your core beliefs. You'll be shocked as to how doing this alone will help you weed out about 50% of the things you should definitely not be saying yes to. It is such a powerful experience. It is such a powerful thing. As in the moment you smell something a mile away, you already know that, no, 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 this is not aligned with my core value of my belief. So you sit and you say, for example, with my career, what are my core values and beliefs where my work is concerned? I have a friend who is, you know, doing extremely well in her career. And early on, she decided as one of her core values, she will not take on jobs, no matter how enticing, 
no matter how promising, no matter how much the pay rise or the pay or the um, responsibility jump or the title or whatever they're offering, if it's going to mean her family moving, as in moving everywhere, moving from town to town, city to city, country to country. Now, that may work for some people, but for her, she decided that that's a core value. I do not want to do that very early on. And as a result of that, it was an easy no. Even to opportunities that people will observe and say, wow, that is such an amazing, oh, wow, congratulations. They're already congratulating her before they find out what her response was. But she has learned that, nope, this is a core belief that I have a core value. I will not do it. And she'll say no, no matter how much pressure they try to put on her. And as I said, if you don't have a scarcity mentality, like, oh, what if another opportunity like that doesn't come? In spite of her saying no to some really big jobs, she's still doing fantastically well in her career because there's abundance because there's abundance and saying no to those other things gives you the peace of mind the presence of mind to be able to focus on the things that you're meant to focus on her children are doing fantastically well her marriage is solid every area of her life is thriving because she defined her core values and her core beliefs you must do that you must do that for the important areas of your life and for the seasons of your life which brings me to the next one. The core beliefs and core values are not enough. You also need to define and consider and discern the seasons that you are in. So let's say, for example, now, this, my friend that I'm talking about, it will get to a point where her children will go off to university. Now she will have to still has the same core value or the same core belief that she may even teach it to women that are younger than her, that are coming behind her, that, oh, you, you should at least, you know, have time to spend with their children at a certain stage of their lives or whatever it is. But for her, when her children go on to university and they're no longer at home and her husband is happy to move, that core value or core belief becomes redundant. So you have to be able to look at the times and the seasons that you are in. Do you see what I mean? Right? You have to define the times and the seasons in addition to your core values and your core beliefs. Discern and define the season that you are in. So the second step is define your core vision and pursuit per season per season so for someone this is actually how we ought to live so for the year you would say this is my core pursuit as a family so you should do this as a family sit down and do this with your children i mean for children it is almost laid out for them so if they're going into an exam year for example you know that that's going to be the core focus for that year it's it's a given but for other things as well. So sit down with your husband, sit down with your children and define, okay, this year, what are we going to focus on together as a family? Regarding your career, you could say, this is the year that I definitely want to go after that promotion. For somebody else, you'll be like, listen, I just had a promotion a year or two ago. Now I just want to consolidate my team. I want to make sure that I build an excellent team. You have to define what the season's focus is. You must define it. It's important to do that. And then second is once you have an understanding of your times and seasons, then you must ask for strength from the Holy Spirit to walk in synchronism with those times and seasons. You think my friend was not tempted to say yes to those jobs, those marvelous jobs, we pay maybe triple salary or whatever it is when she knew she should be saying no. But if they're saying, do you know what? We'll give you this. We'll give you company house. We'll give you whatever it is. There's a temptation to say yes now. So you must ask for strength. Like the sons of Issachar, it's not just about discerning the times and the seasons, but also to follow through and do what ought to be done. Right? The strength to walk in synchronism with the times and the seasons of your life. And the Holy Spirit will also do this by bringing certain people into your life at those seasons. Look at Jesus, for example. Jesus was not going to have anything to do with the wine that had finished. His mother came to him because he was, remember at age 12, he wanted to launch his ministry too early. His mother said, no, my friend, will you, <laughs> my friend, will you put on your sandals and come with me? In fact, you should be happy, sir, I have not flogged in front of all these Pharisees. Eh? What do you mean, your father? My friend, let's be going, John. <laughs> at age 12. 
It's like, ah, which ministry? Let me go, you know, let me go and follow my father and my mother. But when he was 30 and they went to a wedding and his mother came to him and his mother saw that, ah, this is the launch of this boy's ministry. He needs to enter it now. His mother went to him and said, they've run out of wine. He said, woman, my time has not come. He was hesitant. But his mother said, uncle, uh -huh. servants, come, come, come. And she marched them over to Jesus and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She literally launched him into his ministry, kicking and screaming. Jesus was not going to say any yes to anything or any no to it. Do you understand? He was just like, no, my time has not yet come. My, say, my friend, your time has come, Joe. Enter the thing. So to walk in synchronicity and to discern the times of the seasons of your life, God would also use people. So if you pray that prayer genuinely, regularly, ideally every day, he will bring people into your life. You, when I say people, it's not necessarily a physical human being coming to talk to you. You could pick up a book and read it and say, that, ah, this is what I'm meant to be focusing on and doing in this season. Right? People that will show you that if you are hesitating and you're meant to say yes, that will push you and say, no, 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 go for it, go and say yes. Or they will look at this thing, this opportunity you're about to take and say, hmm, I don't think this is the right thing for you to do. So God will use people like that if you will humble yourself and ask Him for help. So that is the second step. You must arbitrarily define your vision for each season of your life discern the times and the seasons of your life and ask god for the strength to walk in synchronism with those times and seasons the third step is you must understand that the world will go on as it is without you <laughs> without you right free yourself from the savior mentality the whole if i don't do it it can't be done if it's not me that does it it will not be done well that is a savior mentality in fact when jesus was here on earth that was why he had to go jesus came to demonstrate so he was just one of him he was the savior he came to demonstrate uh, how it should be done like as a role model. And he was a lamb that was sacrificed for our salvation. But when they were crying, oh, Jesus, don't go. Jesus, Jesus said, you, you don't know anything. For your own sake, I must go. Because you don't need one savior. Every single one of you should become saviors. Do you see what I mean? I'm going to multiply myself. So this whole idea of if it's not me, it can't be done is a really detrimental thing to your productivity and to your progress. You must make peace with the fact that there is no vacuum in this life. Should I repeat that? There is no vacuum in this life. Meaning, if for any reason you know you should say no to something, and you feel like you should say yes because there's nobody else. Now, lie. Oh. The moment you say no, somebody else is already waiting in the wings. It may not be apparent to you at that point that if I leave this work, it will never be done. It's not true. It's not true. Saul was misbehaving. He said, you know, say no to these people and obey God. He kept not obeying God, thinking, I'm the king now. Nothing can happen. I'm the only person. Until God did him like magic and David showed up. He said, eh, who is this one? And he wanted to go. <laughs> he wanted to go and kill David. Like, where did you come from? There's no vacuum, oh. There's no vacuum. So that is a negative sense, but I want to try and bring it into a positive sense because this is what actually keeps a lot of women, you know, from saying no to things they should be saying um, no to. They say yes when they should be saying no because they feel like if I don't do it, it will not be done. Some things that you are picking up and doing in your home because you feel like if I don't do it, it will not be done. Listen, even if it gets to the point that it is not done, something will happen that will awaken the person that should be taking that responsibility. I'm telling you. It's the fear that if I don't do it, but God did not appoint you a savior, especially if it's not your responsibility to do that thing. Even if it is your responsibility, I just told you about Saul. When you don't show up, you think that the whole world will collapse. No, the whole world will not collapse. Because God does not leave any human being comfortless. He will make another way. He will create another path. He will bring somebody else. Someone else will show up on the spot to do the job. So when you free yourself from that savior mentality, it goes a long way in helping you say no to the things that you're meant to say no to. Do you see what I mean? Don't get trapped in the idea that if you say no, you know you should say no. But you're thinking if I say no, the work won't get done. Number one, the work will get done. You will see. 
Because if you keep saying yes, you are enabling the bad behavior of the person that's meant to be doing it and refusing to do it. All right? You are crippling the person, actually. Especially if you are leading a team or you are a parent. You keep telling your children, tidy up after yourself, and they don't listen. And you keep doing it. You say, oh, but I don't like an untidy house. Listen, do you know what? You, <laughs> you have to first of all understand that the more you do it, the more you cripple them from being able to do it. You should say no. Say no, I'm not going to do it. And put consequences in place. You may need to endure an untidy house for a while as you teach those children to pick up after themselves. But the truth is, don't take on someone else's responsibility because you're afraid that if I don't do it, it will not get done. It will eventually get done, right? It will get done. There's no vacuum. There is no vacuum in the realm of the spirit. Once somebody's position is vacated, something else must fill it. It is so important. It is really, really important to be able to do that. The third step, as I said, is free yourself from the savior mentality and make peace with the fact that there's no vacuum in life. If you generally cannot do something or know you shouldn't be doing something because you are enabling someone or you don't have the time to do it, it means that there's someone that is better suited for that job. As I, as I said, your, your children, they are better suited to tidy up their own bedroom because it's going to improve their future. You are not the one that is best suited to tidy their bedroom. They are. They are. So when you remove yourself from a situation you're not meant to be occupying and you, you're not afraid that it will just go empty and it wouldn't be done, honestly, you step into higher realms of productivity, of progress, of increase. Number four, the fourth step is to then apply the love test. Apply the love test. That's what I call it. It's all well and good saying, no, I'm going to say no, I don't have time. I'm not going to do it. Now I'm adding this one there because as human beings, we have a tendency of taking things to extremes sometimes. They say, oh, for my mental health, I just don't want to do anything. Meanwhile, you are supposed to be saying yes, right? Somebody genuinely needs your help. You have the space, the time to do it, but you want to go home and watch Netflix instead. You have to ask yourself, what would love do? Now, I didn't lead with this because some people don't understand what love is. They think love is niceness. Love is not niceness. Oh, love is not being nice. The God kind of love it says patient, it's kind, it's all those things, but it is not being nice. Do you know that love requires discipline? Love is sometimes slapping somebody so that they wake up from the stupor that they're in. <laughs> I'm telling you, do you know that it was love that the father of the prodigal son, even though his son was at the point where he was about to eat the food of pigs and that guy was close to starvation. Do you think that the father of the prodigal son did not have the means to go and find his son? I'm pretty sure he probably knows where that son was, or at least he had the wealth to be able to employ people to go and set him out from wherever he couldn't have gone that far. But love compelled him to say, no, if you go and save him, he would not have learned anything. He has to hit rock bottom so that he can then come back. Do you see? So love is not always saying yes to someone, right? That's why I didn't lead with it. However, like I said, we can also take it to the other extreme where we become so focused on ourselves. Like, oh, you know, my, my mental, this mental health thing has become, I mean, there were, it, human beings, we like to swing between two extremes. I mean, we went generations where it's a taboo to talk about mental health. It's a taboo to talk about depression. We've now swung to the other extreme where the very smallest thing is, oh, somebody is correcting your work and saying, improve your work. And you say, oh, my mental health, my, my, I can't take it. How are you supposed to grow? Abby? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? So you know you should genuinely help someone. The love of God inside is compelling. You say, help the person. Even if it's a sacrifice, say yes. You say, no, no, I have to look after myself first. I have to put myself first. So you better apply the love test because there'll be things that God will bring into your life in response to this love test. It will not be convenient. It will not be convenient. Like Abraham was sitting, the Bible says that it was a hottest part of the day. 
And if he lived in the desert, try and imagine how hot that was. Okay? I haven't gone to Dubai because I'm afraid of the heat. I do not like heat. I'd rather be cold than be hot. I haven't gone for that reason. You know, my, you know I've heard so many beautiful things about that place. Be like, eh? 40 something degrees Celsius. Eh? 50? Eh? No, me, I'm not going on. They say, oh, go when it's winter, it's cooler. I say, mm, I'm not going. I may eventually go, but it's the heat that's driving me. Now, imagine in Dubai, oh, the hottest part of the year, the hottest part of the day, you are sitting, trying to cool yourself under a tree. This was Abraham. Then he saw two strangers coming, or three, I think it was, coming, and he thought, ah, he did not know it was the Lord at the time. He didn't know because they looked like normal human beings. They were angels. And then they were coming and I thought, ah, these are strangers. They have a long way to go in this heat. They are walking, no shade, nothing. Let me invite them to come and rest a while. Give them some water, wash their feet, give them water to drink, give them food to eat. And then maybe when the sun has gone down a little bit, they can continue their journey. It was not convenient for him because he wanted to stay under the cool of the shade. But out of his own, like, love compelled him. He got up because said, oh, this is my time. I will not give up my time for anybody. This is my self-care time. Oh, how can they book this meeting into my calendar? This is my me time. Your husband wants to talk to you. He said, this is my me time. Understand what I'm saying? If you listen to the first 45 minutes of this podcast, then you will really understand that. There will be times when you say, don't book a meeting into my calendar. That's my me time. But I'm saying that love is greater than any of these things that I said so far. There will be points in your life where love will compel you to make a sacrifice. So always check. Always check. So for example, even though I said at the start that there are certain conferences that I've now begun to say no to, and I've been saying no, there will be one. I'm pretty sure that the Holy Spirit will specifically say, go and speak there. And if I keep saying, well, I have already decided and I do not allow love to lead me, I will miss out on something important. Oh, I forgot to finish Abraham's story. Do you know that after Abraham helped those three strangers, it happened to be the Lord. And the Lord said, by this time next year, Sarah would have given birth to a child. The thing he had been waiting for for 25 years. That love that compelled him to make that sacrifice, boom, opened the door for him to receive it. So love tests apply the love test and the final step is don't rush to answer immediately this is where a lot of people get trapped you feel like you must answer straight away they send you that email you must respond oh they're waiting for me to respond even if people put pressure upon you and a lot of people will not even put pressure upon you they know that you have other things going on in your life and they will give you a reasonable amount of time you don't have to reply within five minutes of receiving the email or the text you could say acknowledged i will come back to you in a bit to let you know what my decision is so take time to reflect Give yourself time because if you feel under pressure to respond, you could end up, for example, saying yes to what you should say no to, or you should like start doing evasive tactics. <laughs> when you see the person coming in the corridor, you run away, all those kind of things. Or you, you start giving excuses like, oh, the reason why, or even lie. So why not take time? If you feel like, okay, I can't just not answer, you don't want it to seem like you're being rude, you can respond immediately and say, oh, thank you. Could you give me two or three days to think about this? I will come back to you by Monday or by Friday or whatever it is. And then that gives you time to go and think about it, to go and pray about it, to reflect. And I have some questions for you here to reflect on, to ask yourself during that reflection time that will help you come to that decision. And I have five of those questions and here they are. The first one is you will ask yourself, will saying yes prevent me from focusing on something that's more important in this season? It's a very simple question, but you sit down and you reflect it. Is there something that is going to clash with this thing? And if I say yes to this one, because there's no vacuum, say yes, it means you are drawing for something else. The second question is, you know, we talked about your core values and your core beliefs. Does this potential project, does this opportunity, does this activity align with your present values, beliefs, and goals? 
if you set goals for your year and for each quarter for example as i said you should you'll be able to say i know this one doesn't align oh yes yes this one aligns etc so does this thing this opportunity does it align with your core beliefs with your goals with your values in that season the third one is will saying yes make me even more tired stressed or burnt out you have to ask that because your physical body and your physical and emotional well-being are very important people feel like they can just keep going 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 like the energizer bunny no your body was not designed to be an energizer bunny it was designed to rest that's why god mandated a whole day of rest out of every seven one whole day said don't even lift a finger do nothing nothing that's why God incorporated it into our lives, into the law. So self-care is important. You have to ask yourself, if I take on this thing, if you're already feeling tired, or if you have the balance right, and you know that this thing is going to tip the scale and, and move you over into stress zone. Me, I'm very protective of my mental well-being, of my emotional well-being, and of my physical well-being. Anything that's going to tip me out of that balance into stress mode, I run from it. Except... Listen to this, as we said, the love test, it may seem like a sacrifice. It may seem inconvenient, but that is a sacrifice as a seed that will reap a harvest that will make it all worth it. But a lot of times we're saying yes, and you're sacrificing, but the sacrifice never yields dividend. It's because God didn't send you. <laughs> God didn't send you. You are the one that chose to go and offer the sacrifice that God didn't ask you to offer. The fourth one is, this is very important. We're saying yes give a wrong impression of you of the people you are working with or whatever it is or cause some form of misunderstanding so that's another test you should apply a question you should ask yourself that if i go and say yes and i go and for example associate with this event is it going to paint me in a certain light you have to think about those things I'll, I'll give an example. A friend of mine, I mean, it, this is such a powerful story and a powerful example. This was way early in her career. And at that point when this happened, she was really tired of her job. The ex environment was toxic and she was struggling because she was a single parent. She was struggling to balance the excessive demands of her, of her work with raising a little child, a little baby, etc. And she just thought, listen, let me go and I need to go and find another job. I need to go and find something. And she was willing to take a pay cut, go several, several steps down just so that she can go and find one little job near home that would allow her to be able to um, pick up her child from school. She really wanted to be in the industry that she was in, but the agitations between, oh, I have a small child and the kind of work environment and the demands of her work was forcing her to want to step down into something way lower than where she knew she wanted to be now she had applied to those kind of jobs and on that particular day she had been called for an interview now she was going to take a day off and then go to that interview so she had told her boss that well i have an interview at this place so i'm going to have to take the day off to go for the interview etc and do you now know what the boss did that's why i said it was actually a toxic environment the boss now booked an extremely important meeting for that particular day that she was meant to go for that interview. So he didn't say anything. He didn't say, oh, we don't want you to go. Okay, how can we make things better? He didn't even try any of that. He obviously didn't want her to go, but the way he thought to do it was to sabotage her, <laughs> was to sabotage her in interview and her pursuing another job somewhere else. And essentially, he just booked an important meeting. Now she looked at it and thought, ah, what am I supposed to do? Of course, I want to go for this interview and go for that job. But at the same time, if I don't show up to this meeting, my boss will know that I went for the interview. And what impression would that give of me? And she sat down, she was thinking about it and she prayed about it. And God basically was teaching her that whatever your hand finds to do, you do it as unto the Lord. You do it with all your might. This is the one that is in front of you now. The other one, you don't haven't even secured the job yet. This is where your commitment lies. These are the people that are pay your salary your commitment at the moment is to them if you go to that other one it would give the impression that you have no regard for your job and whatever you see greener pastures you will abandon your post and you will go now you was you could argue that but the boss knew whether he knew or not he still booked that important meeting and she needed to be at that meeting because i think she was leading the project so god counseled her and said stay 
give the impression that, listen, I am dedicated to this work. If you take on that opportunity, if you go to that one, you are creating an impression of who you really are not. You know that you are a dedicated person. And so she, it was difficult because she felt like this is going to be a better suit for her in terms of being able to manage her time. But she turned out an interview and she went to that meeting that she was meant to be at with her boss. Do you now know what happened? I think less than a month or not long after that, that same boss got transferred. I think he got another job, a better job, a higher position or whatever it is. And the person that had been a thorn in her side, being hostile, you know, the kind of person that would behave like that, that I've just described, you can imagine what they are like on a daily basis. That same person, he was so impressed by this sacrifice, the fact that she showed up like, listen, I'm dedicated not only to this job, but to this company. He was so impressed by that, that he personally recommended her to take over his own job. And since then she has been flying high in her career. So she got the best of both worlds. She got to the point where she had more freedom because she was now managing people. Her workload became easier. She could then combine that with raising her child, etc. Do you see what I mean? So that's a beautiful example of if I go and say yes to this thing, what kind of impression is it going to create of me? or of this action that I'm taking. So that's an important question to ask yourself. And the last one, the fifth one is, have I said yes to similar in the past and ended up regretting it? Very important question because we're meant to learn. Okay. Don't be as the Bible describes ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. If you know that every time you've said yes to working with this person, you know how it ends, right? Then you should not say yes again. You should not say yes again. Or you can already see certain traits and you know that, ah, this is looking like that last situation that ended up really badly. You have to wait and say, ah, is this looking like what happened in the past that I said yes to and I ended up regretting it? If that is the case, then be bold and courageous enough to say no. Yeah, I hope that's helped you. If you apply all these tests, all these different processes that I've taught today, I'm pretty sure it would take you a long way in being able to say yes to the things you should say yes to and no to the things you should say no to and live absolutely guilt-free. This is Allow Me Brigway and I will be back with another episode. See you then. Bye.